Good afternoon, my fellow Sith brothers and sisters, purebloods, cultists, rebel scum, on the run, but most importantly, my fellow Star Wars fans. I hope everybody's hanging in there this week, today, or at least the date where I am recording here. Today is Wednesday the 19th. It is Book of Boba Fett Day. Chapter 4 came out. I'll have, I'll touch on that episode here briefly in a little bit. Um, but in terms of an update, honestly, we are slowly but surely creeping along towards my tattoo appointment here on Saturday, the 22nd. However, there is the potential threat for some bad weather coming in. So hoping, I mean, not too terribly disappointed if it gets postponed. It's really not a big deal. But just, you know, how ink with Jarl goes with me. It's just kind of really looking forward to finally getting this one done. Especially the lengths that I've had to go through just to try and get this done, let alone get it, you know, find somebody, you know, who could, somebody else that could really do this right. So in terms of purchases also, it's been really relatively, it's been all quiet. So I guess I'll take this part of the intro just to talk about my season one impressions of rebels I'm almost done I'm I think I'm two episodes away from the end of season one uh yes it's been a very long time coming because watching Clone Wars I hit a major stall somewhere in season three and in season four but it did get a lot better I talked about that last week I have to say the standout character for me so far and this goes without saying it's got to be chopper i can't really explain it he kind of reminds me of like that family member you have at the family reunion that probably should have been cut off a while ago (laughs) that's what chopper reminds me of chopper's awesome and i would definitely put him up in my top droids not all-time favorite but he's definitely if not top three top five droid just because chopper it's he's amazing uh other characters so far um for a second i will admit there was some initial confusion between Sabine, the female Mandalorian in the crew, and Satine, because initially when they said her name, I thought they said Satine. I'm like, wait a second, that's not the same chick who died in front of Obi-Wan in Clone Wars. So, some little bit of confusion between Sabine and Satine for me, but thankfully was able to straighten that out. So, at least I've got my... uh, female Mandalorian character here straight. Um, I'm really looking forward to another interesting part that I passed in Rebels was 
the episode, and it was the one I just passed not too long ago here, where Kanan takes Ezra, or they're trying to leave Lothal, and he's trying to help guide him to where they go. They decide they need to kind of branch off from the crew because realizes that the Inquisitor is kind of hunting them down. So it turns out that they don't end up really going very far. And he takes Ezra to the Jedi Temple there on Lothal where while Kanan's waiting in meditation for Ezra to come out, Ezra's going through the caves and the tunnels there and gets to talk to Yoda. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I have to say I'm going to deduct some cool points for the staple gun lightsaber that Ezra condu- uh, constructed. But I will admit it's pretty different because when he finally gets to show it off, when I forget who they were fighting, it wasn't long after they got out of the temple and uh, the Inquisitor and them discovered that they were there. He gets to show off that the lightsaber also serves as some sort of... Uh, blaster pistol which I thought was pretty interesting uh, because of naturally Kanan's like hey mine doesn't do that (laughs) so really curious about because he made a comment while he was waiting for Ezra Kanan did about um, his past and and stuff like that so curious what kind of secrets Kanan is holding back but Overall, the series is okay. Uh, Definitely interesting cast of characters. It's different. Um, I have to say I really mark out for uh, Jason Isaacs, who most of us probably know played uh, Draco Malfoy's father in the Harry Potter movies. Such a phenomenal actor, let alone he's just the voice of the Inquisitor. It's when I first met him in the series and I heard him talking, I was like, I know that voice. Took me a minute or two to pinpoint, but really marking out for Jason Isaacs. Huge. So I'll definitely touch base with you guys next week as to my progress on that. Doing a lot better with the viewing process than the reading process. Still have not really moved the needle at all on my reading but at least making a lot of really good progression with Rebels so far. So sit tight on that. I will also mention, too, I just did find out yesterday, uh, Moff Gideon, a.k.a. John Carlo Esposito, is coming to GalaxyCon here in Richmond mid-March. So... I'm waiting for, I think they just announced him a couple days ago, waiting to see. I want to purchase the meet and greet ticket for him first before I decide on my day pass. Luckily, it's uh, St. Pat's weekend, I believe, and it's a weekend that I'm off, so I could go both days if I wanted to. But kind of also waiting to see what the pandemic does, if it gets canceled or postponed. I know a lot of cons earlier in the year here are being canceled or postponed so probably I've got plenty of time I've got roughly two months to really decide anything and I don't think they're going to be selling out of the day passes anytime soon so I'd rather wait and get my ticket for John uh, Carlo Esposito before I actually get my day pass just so I can guarantee a spot in line to meet him 
Um, it would be my first con, let alone in my own backyard here in Richmond. So I think that'd be really awesome. Um, I've been kind of looking around at some of the Star Wars um, different actors and actresses going around to the cons this year. And I noticed they had Palpatine in, I think it was June. Pretty sure it was June in Nashville, Tennessee. And then they had um, Hayden Christensen set up for uh, New York Comic Con in October. So we'll see. I'll definitely keep you guys posted. Don't necessarily see myself traveling too far for those. If it was Adam Driver, it wouldn't be an issue. But uh, definitely more than happy to uh, go to the one here in Richmond to meet Moff Gideon. I think that would be pretty cool to mark out too so keep you guys posted as more details come out and we get closer to the date for galaxy con so i'm gonna go ahead and get us set up for chapter four book of boba fett review if by chance you are going to be stopping or pausing want to thank you guys as always for your support and for listening and checking out my little one sith operation here as always i know it's a small group of us but you know me i'm just no frills no bullshit no drama so i just really appreciate you guys taking the time to check out my podcast as always and if you are sit tight I'm going to get a set up for chapter four. So be right back. All right, guys. So second half of the episode this week, as always, Book of Boba Fett. This week, chapter four, episode titled The Gathering Storm. So please, if you have not had a chance to watch chapter four yet please pause and or pick back up later on after you viewed the episode if not you've been full warned so i have to first say i'm seeing a lot of which is why i always try to watch it early enough in the day the day it comes out twitter tends to be filled with a lot of spoilers and people talking about it so I was able to watch it early this morning and I have to admit and this is just my overall first impression you know I by all means agree to disagree I'm not going to be overly negative plus Star Wars as a whole you know I I appreciate the nostalgia aspect of it but from my point of view the first two episodes, we spent a lot of back and forth, mostly um, catering to nostalgia, what Boba's been up to before we see him in The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. And very little of those episodes was spent in present day. Chapter 3 did a role reversal. Very minimal, back to flashback. And a lot of present day action. This one, I honestly feel like we regressed. Because 
Not only did we get an extra 10 minutes than we did last week, the episode this week was a total of 48 minutes. I really feel like overall, with the exception of Chapter 3, I really feel that this series has struggled to find the balance between catering to the nostalgia and moving the story along, getting basically getting to the point. Not that I don't appreciate all the flashback. I just, I don't know. I don't know if they did it that way because they figured they got um, pushback from just random fans complaining about the biker gang, the colors of the bike, just stupid shit or whatnot. I really don't know, don't care. But again, just full warning that at least 30 to 35 minutes of this episode, probably pushing 30, 35 to 40, was spent in his flashback. And it was basically putting together the pieces of how Boba and Fennec came to work together. The episode starts off with him in the back to tank having a flashback to him riding the Bantha after his camp of Tusken Raiders have all been annihilated. And he ends up seeing Jabba's palace and looks at it through a rifle scope and notices some of the Necto speed bikers walking around outside. Later on that evening, he's eating and he kind of sees some flashes of light off in the distance and gets on the Bantha to go investigate. He comes across Fennec laying in the sand unconscious. He puts her on the back of his Bantha and goes into Mos Eisley, takes her into a mod parlor. And standing outside and inside this mod parlor, we see bits and pieces of the biker gang that we have known from the modern day parts of this series. The genetically modified youth with cybernetic facial pieces, joints. Uh, Boba goes inside, puts Fennec on an empty table. And the doctor's like, you know, hey, this is appointment only, no walk-ins. Throw some money onto the table, and he's like, oh, well, you should have started with that first. So, we actually get the backstory of how Fennec came to be, how we see her in The Mandalorian and present-day Book of Boba Fett, with her being genetically modified. He ends up putting a lot of pieces into her abdomen, and later on that night, showing them kind of back out in the dune sea, she wakes up, starts panicking, freaking out, going, you know, what happened to me? And Boba kind of brings her up to speed and is like, hey, I found you. You were dying of a gunshot, so I saved you. Took you into a mod parlor on Mose Eisley, and it was the only option I had. Uh, he's kind of at the benefit of the doubt where a lot of people think he's dead. So he's kind of at the point in this flashback, he's laying low profile because nobody, nobody knows or assumes that he perished with the Tuscan camp that was destroyed. 
he obviously is very cognizant of who Fennec is, and Fennec turns around and asks him who he is, and he says, I am Boba Fett, and she quickly is like, you know what, Boba Fett's dead. And I actually kind of like this line. He says to her, I was, you know, I was left for dead in the sands of Tatooine, much like you were. And it's very much the truth. Talks about his encounter with the Necto Speed Bikers and the Tuscans taking him in. And informs her that his gunship is being held up in Jabba's palace. And he intends to get it back. Fennec kind of calls him a little crazy and is like, you know what, Bib Fortuna already took over. And Boba somewhat does and doesn't agree, but, you know, he also says that without his armor, he's less persuasive, which is why he is on a quest to find it. Whether or not he's ag actually cognizant of the fact, we know he came out of the Sarlacc pit with it, but he obviously doesn't remember how he lost it because he was knocked out when he climbed out of there. Which was a point that somebody I had seen made on Twitter, which is actually a good point. You know, talking about him going down into the Sarlacc pit for his armor. Somebody was like, well, doesn't he remember he actually climbed out of it with it? Well, not necessarily. So, he decides and kind of brokers a deal with Fennec initially and says that they need to... In order, if he thinks he's going to get in there, they need to time the patrol and go in quiet. She sends a, I guess in a way, a little tiny probe droid to go in and scout out the guard routes and how many are in Jabba's palace. And the probe droid comes back and they're like, well, that's a lot of them. But, you know, obviously this is where timing the patrol is going to come in. They go in and make a bit of a scene, but Boba eventually gets Slave 1 back. It was really nice seeing him kind of fly away from Jabba's palace with that. I know the nostalgia, the those with a Boba fetish would really appreciate this part. And for the simple fact also, we see him riding around during the day and he comes up across the Neko speed, uh, Necto Speed Bikers and he takes every last one of them out for retribution for what they did he's obviously got a few more uh scores to settle and he uh he tells fennec that obviously her debt's been paid and that you know ask her where she where he where she'd like to be dropped off and she's like you know what i actually uh after weighing her options she decides she'll stay along stick along for the ride comes up across, probably didn't necessarily expect this, but he comes up on the Sarlacc pit that he literally crawled out of. Looks dry and dissolved among initial first impression. Uh, Fennec actually thinks this too. However, it looks like he's trying to actually go down in it with Slave 1, and we very quickly realize that that Sarlacc pit is not unoccupied. Sarlacc tries to come up after him. And actually, not even sure. Looking at my notes, I'm not even 100% sure that was a Sarlacc. It looked more like a space slug to me. But either way, the Sarlacc pit was not unoccupied. <laughs> Fennec makes a scramble and releases a seismic charge down the throat of this creature. 
And I love that Boba turns around, even though they're able to escape. He says to her, next time, don't touch my buttons. So we then see Boba getting pulled up out of the Sarlacc pit. So I guess he went in there tied on a rope. And obviously there's nothing down there but junk. And due to the fluids and the gas and everything that's down in this Sarlacc pit, obviously he needs medical attention. So Fennec points out to him that he needs to find a back to tank pretty quickly. Later on that evening, again, Boba manages to try and persuade Fennec, you know, to form this pack to work together again. And to an extent, Fennec's like, you know what, you know, the Tuscans, you know, they've made you soft. And the beauty of Boba in the in this position and in his and in his life where he's at right now to have the ability to decide what you're doing what jobs you can take and not take you know you just it's a lot of freedom and respect which is something that Fennec is obviously being an assassin that's not something you necessarily you don't get to i think she made this point you don't get to decide when you're done so that ends the flashback part of the episode and we go to sorry about the random cut guys I got a ended up getting somebody trying to call me in the middle of recording so I had to kind of go back in cut and paste I'm just having the worst luck trying to record this in one bit here today but my apologies so Picking back up, so part one ended, we ended the flashback sequence going into present day, which is the last like 10, 10 minutes or so of the episode, in Garza's Black Kersantans in there watching a group of Transdosians. He ends up going after one of them in particular. Boba's watching all this, not doing anything, and Garza manages to stop him and tries talking him down. And it's like, you used to be, you know, you're a great champion. You have nothing to prove. You have, however, run up a, a pretty hefty bar tab. However, how about if he's also be a paying customer? How about if you let him go, I'll wipe your debt. And as he, <laughs> the Transdotion he's got kind of in his grips ends up losing an arm, which was <laughs> very reminiscent, uh, very typical Episode 4, New Hope, Inside the Cantina. That's Mos Eisley for you. Uh, it just, it was pretty funny. Uh, Garza gets Max Rebo to start the music back up. And Boba goes out after Black Kersantans. Like, you know what? You, you look like you need a job. And obviously Boba on this whole... You know, letting him go thing. He's turned a new leaf. And now he's trying to employ Black Kersan to for this war that's coming. So I saw a little bit of, little bit of griping on uh, from some of the comments of people that had already seen it on that part. Where he tries to go back and, and employ him. All of them are at a table later on that evening. And Fennec giving this really impassioned speech about how they were all once rich. And that you can be once again if you listen to Boba Fett Boba Fett 
makes a point and tells all of them, you know what, I don't want your lands, I don't want a tribute, and I don't intend to pay you either. However, what he does propose is a Mos Espa defense alliance against the Pikes. He says that the Pikes have managed to bribe the mayor, and they're draining Tatooine of its wealth. We do quickly realize that the table happens to be on top of the Rancor pit. <laughs> and when one of them kind of says to Boba, you know, well, the Pikes are not after us. Why should we join you or why should we help you? A Rancor claw starts coming through the grate. <laughs> and, you know, spooks all of them quite a bit. And uh, Boba goes to feed it. They sit back down at the table there. And, uh, again, there's reluctance in joining Boba with this crusade because one of them has even pointed out, you know, we made a lot of money off the spice trade. You know, again, there's, there's a lot of reluctance. However... Boba quickly realizes that this conversation's going nowhere, and he's like, all right, you know what, fine, I'll fight the pikes by myself. However, all I ask is that you guys remain neutral if you're approached by the pikes to go after him. All of them seem to agree to these terms. They all leave, and the episode ends with Boba and Fennec Watching everybody leave the palace. Obviously, bounty hunters, you know, they tend to look out for their own self-interest. So, of course, not necessarily 100% trusting them. However, if, if they've got a war coming, Boba knows that his weakness right now is muscle. He's got plenty of money, but he, he really lacks muscle. Fennec reminds him, you can always buy muscle if you know where to look. And that is where we hear the Mandalorian theme playing, which has a lot of people buzzing. Because hoping that his interaction with Din is right around the corner. Overall, like I said, the episode was, it was okay. But I really, I, I just... I appreciate the nostalgia, but like I said, I just, I really feel like they could do better with finding that balance between flashback and present day. So hopefully next week, I mean, we're well over halfway done with the series. We've, I believe we've only got three episodes left, so hopefully they will be good ones. And that is all for my Chapter 4 Book of Boba Fett review this week. Again, sorry I got interrupted in the middle of recording this. Hopefully next week I'll be able to not only, one, talk about my tattoo that I've hopefully finally got, hopefully, if it doesn't get snowed out, but my progress with Rebels should be well into Chapter 2, or Season 2, if not done with Season 2 by the next time I talk to you guys. And we'll talk about Chapter 5, Book of Boba Fett. And until next time, thank you again for joining my little one-man operation. I really appreciate the love and support. And as always, you guys, 
please don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, or share with your fellow Star Wars friends. Because what's more better than Star Wars? And that is more fucking Star Wars. May the Force be with all of you guys. And look forward to seeing you guys again next week.